You are listening to a Hive Talk Live stinger, Buzz Buzz. Welcome in, Hornets fans, to a two-part, jam-packed Saturday sit-down. We have three guests. Count them. One, two, three. First up, Dustin Pfeiffer. He covers the Hornets. You might remember him from the Hive Mind podcast uh, on WFNC. He's a friend of the show. He's a friend of uh, Nada Edwards, who comes on the show a lot, and and he knows his stuff. We talk in-depth about a lot of things, about the, the Raptors game. What a great victory for the Hornets. I think if you look at that game, you have to be excited that they can come off the back-to-back, come off the bad loss, and play like they did against Toronto. Because if this team is destined for the playoffs, those are the kind of games you need to win. Because the rest is short. It's game after game after game. And you really have to be able to, whether it's at home or on the road, you're going because teams are able to scheme so closely. You play teams night after night after night to set the same team in a series. You have to be able to come off a bad loss and mentally be able to get out there and play with the intensity that the Hornets showed against Toronto. And and we also talk about Bismack Biombo, who had just a, a a classic revenge game against the Hornets. It, it seems like it has to happen. It, it's destined to happen. There will not be any Star Wars spoilers talk on on this episode. Maybe maybe we'll talk about it next time we get Nada Edwards on the show. But it did make me, it made me think. Like I think that Anakin in, in the in the prequel trilogy, Anakin going into the Jedi Temple and and killing the the Jedi kids. That's like the ultimate revenge game. <laughs> that is the ultimate. There's not going to be a better revenge game than than Anakin, former former Jedi Knight, going into the Jedi Temple and just wiping them out. Uh, but it felt like that with Biz, eighteen rebounds. He was wiping away shots. His his arm was like a lightsaber against a Jeremy Lin layup. Impressive stuff, Biz. I see you, buddy. I see you, and, and I miss you. But come on, chill out. All right, we and a, a cup. Two other guests on this show. In part one, we've got Dustin, and then we have Jake Whitaker from uh, the Wizards blog on SBNation.com, bulletsforever.com. We talked to him about this matchup tonight against the Washington Wizards. The Hornets travel to Washington. Should be a great game. Uh, it was an exciting game the last time the Hornets and the Wizards played. If you remember, the Hornets went on a 25 to nothing run in the fourth quarter, only allowed six points in that fourth quarter from the Washington Wizards. They will certainly uh, be looking to get a little revenge, revenge of the Wizards tonight against the Hornets. So the Hornets will have to be on their A game on the road and, and try to get a win off a win. That would be nice instead of a win off a loss. A win off a win would be great for the Hornets. And then finally, in part two, I had to break this up into two parts because I couldn't cut any of it. It was just all such good conversation with Austin Peters, who uh, is obviously a writer for AtTheHive.com. He wrote a great trade primer piece. Tis the season for trades. That's the name of this of the post that holds these two episodes this Saturday sit down. And it is. It's time to talk about trades. It's time to get on ESPN's trade machine and and explore the options for uh, the Hornets and other teams, and see what possibilities there are. So we talk about uh, that article. We dig a little deeper in, into some of that analysis of of who 
the Hornets um, or could be on the Hornets trading block. Who is safe? And then who the Hornets may target. We give one name that you really haven't heard a lot about. Could be a sneaky name. Could be a name that, that ends up on the Hornets' radar before February, before that deadline hits. We've got a long way to go, but it's time to start talking about you know, sort of what the landscape looks like. So that's what Austin and I do. We talk about what the landscape looks like. If you want to listen to that, pop over to part two of this Saturday sit-down. All right, I'm done talking. I I can't talk a lot because we've got so much content ahead. Thanks for listening, and uh, let's get to this first interview with Dustin Pfeiffer. This is a good one, folks. Dustin, you watch the team up close uh, every home game. What trends are you seeing here early in the season? They got the win over Toronto after a bad loss against the Magic. What trends are you seeing, and which team do you think is more indicative of of who this team actually is? Well, I want to say that as far as – I'll kind of go backwards first. The the team that I think that is indicative of this team is – is the team we're seeing most nights as the team who fights hard, um, tries to play consistently on offense and defense, um, plays together, uh, great chemistry. So we've seen that through 25 games for the most part that this team is a talented basketball team. Um, they're, they're working on their defense still, but it is improving game by game. Their offense, when they're on, is can be one of the best offenses in the league when they have an all-night. So I think that's the team that we're looking at moving forward. Um, the thing you got to remember is, and I know people sometimes forget this since we're 25 games in now, we're still looking at a new group with a lot of new players trying to play together. And this team, you can see they're coming together. Their chemistry is getting better. Um, they've even dealt with some injuries and kind of overcame that. So I really like what I've seen from this team the first quarter of the season. Um, obviously, like you said, in Orlando, man, I, w- I was very disappointed in that. Probably one of the worst efforts I've seen this season. Wasn't expecting that after two or three days off. Um, but again, it happens. Clifford said that that was one of the worst shoot-arounds they've had all season, and he, he knew as soon as they got there and they came out and showed like that. But to come back against a good Toronto team who's been good for a couple of years and get that performance without probably your best player in Nick Batum and obviously Al with the suspension, um, that was very impressive. Now, obviously, it, it got a little ugly late, but um, it was good. It was a good comeback win. Guys stepped up. Jeremy Lin had a good game. PJ had a good game. And those are those are the kind of things you want to see. I mean, guys always stepping up, guys coming together. And I think the biggest thing when I go in the locker room and talk to these guys is they know what they can be and what their potential is. And, again, everybody in that locker room likes each other, and that's huge compared to what we saw last year with this Hornets teams and sometimes in years past. So this team is definitely in the right direction. Um, and I think, you know, if, if people just stay with them, keep watching, they're, most nights they're going to see good, consistent basketball. I I was lucky enough uh, to get a chance to sit uh, close to the huddle uh, during the Toronto game. And a uh, shout-out to one of our listeners, Shuman, uh, who invited me to uh, watch the game uh, close to the huddle. And you're right. I mean, these guys like – each other and not only that but they they talk to each other and, and try to calm each other down in that in those situations where uh you know frustration and issues can can cause you to dig an even bigger hole and i think that situation was what was going on in, against toronto in that fourth quarter and you had guys just saying you know play your game stay calm don't get frustrated especially i think jeremy lynn i, I felt like in that fourth quarter got a little frustrated with 
uh, the the matchups that he had defensively and not being able to get inside anymore. And uh, they were able to go into overtime with a, a fresh start and get the victory. And, and to me, I mean, the Toronto victory really shows, I think, a, a trend going on this season with the Hornets, and that's an ability to come back after a bad loss and put together a good game. And that's really been the difference and the reason this team has been able to stay over 500. Um, and obviously, great performances out of their bench. Who's impressed you the most off the bench for the Hornets? Um, you know, off the bench, that man, that's, that's a tough one because you could go a few different ways. I'll probably, you know, and this is probably obvious after the last game, but I'll probably go with, with Jeremy Lin. I mean, he just seems that he can step in and start. He can come off the bench. He can do a couple of different roles. And the reason I'll go with Lynn is because the one thing that he does the best that helps is he takes pressure off of Kimba Walker. And we, we've seen in years past that um, a lot of times it's Kimba in the ball with his hands with the shot clock running down, got to create it on his own, um, sometimes take a tough shot. And this year he, he doesn't necessarily have to do that. So if he, if, he, if he needs to, he will, but he doesn't necessarily have to do that. Lynn can control the ball. Kimba can play off of it or vice versa. Um, and they, they seem to really play well with each other. And so that's why I'll take him early in the year. I probably would have took Jeremy Lamb, um, but it seems like, you know, whatever reason it is, tape teams catching up to it. Lamb has, he's, he hasn't necessarily taken a big step back, but a little step back. If you've seen his production go down just a little bit, but he's still a, a very good bench player who can come in and produce. So definitely not down on him at all, but I, I would go with Jeremy Lynn at this point, just because of the pressure that he takes off of Kimball Walker. And also, like I said, he's used to maybe stepping in that starting role for a couple of games if he needs to help out. I, I obviously didn't see him going for 35 the other night, um, especially with Nick out, but um, that's that's definitely big time, and that's what you like to see from these players. And we talked to him after the game. Somebody actually asked Jeremy Lin, what's your role on this team? And he said, I think that's kind of the good thing about it is it changes from game to game. And so for a player who doesn't necessarily know a set role, um, and how many minutes he might play tonight. Sometimes it might be 30. Sometimes it might be 15, 17. So for him to be able to adjust to that night in, night out is, is huge for this team. Um, and the fact that he accepts that kind of role is great. Yeah, I think even though his role is inconsistent, I think that the way he plays night to night, his style, attacking, aggressive, has maintained consistency throughout the year. And so I think some guys, they want – consistent minutes they want to know I'm coming in at this point in the game and that way I can get into a rhythm and then I think other guys just want to know that they can go out there whether they play 15 minutes or 30 minutes and play their style of basketball and I think that's what Jeremy Lin is enjoying about his time in Charlotte is that he's able to to play that same style night in and night out. And and it's been extremely effective for the Hornets. I, I want to go back to Jeremy Lamb. Why do you think his minutes have been down a little bit? Obviously, P.J. Harrison has played a little better these past two games. But it, it, do you have any idea from watching maybe why they're, they're getting uh, uh, more away from Lamb a little bit and going more towards Lynn and Harrison? You know, I, I was very curious. I, I've watched in the last couple of games because people were asking me. They were saying, you know, hey, w- what have you seen out of Jeremy Lamb? I mean, he came out of the out of the gates on the season just on fire, you know, scoring around 20 points a game. People was ready to put him in the starting lineup right away. He should be the starter from here on out. And then he then he kind of fell off. So I was curious as to, to why that was. And just watching him, there, there's times in the games when I watch where it, where he is in there 
And he definitely, he has the ball handling skills to create. We obviously know he has very good range. He can shoot from outside, but there's those times in the game where he's in there. And sometimes you don't even realize that he's on the floor. And Mm. I I don't know if that's just Jeremy, maybe deferring to other guys or, or what it is, but there's times he just, I think he needs to be more aggressive for one. But when I say aggressive, he needs to be in control because there's times where he maybe takes a shot in the possession that he could get at any time. Um, and so he, I think he just needs to find his way a little more. I think teams are catching up to a little bit of tape. Once we talked about this with Nada, once you get around 20 games in the season, there's tape on everybody and what they run this season. So this is the time of the year where teams and coaches have to really buckle in on film and make adjustments because people are going to make adjustments on you. And so I think that's kind of happening with Jeremy Lamb a little bit. He needs to make that adjustment. He needs to to find his offense in the game. And also the other thing is the reason, you know, you probably don't see him as much in his minutes is because I still don't know if Clifford fully trusts him on defense. He's kind of a small body guy. He does have a little length. Um, but I think in most situations, if they need defense, they're going to go to PJ instead of Jeremy Lamb. So those are kind of some things I'm seeing. He, he, he maybe needs to work on that defense just a little bit. And then also on offense, he needs to find a way to be aggressive, make his presence known without kind of being out of control. And I think he's still trying to find his way when it comes to that a little bit. I love that point. They, they really made an effort early in the season to run plays to get him to the basket. And I think that surprised a lot of teams because – you know, if you just take his past history, you would say, well, not a great ball handler, mostly wants to shoot. So you don't necessarily immediately send help when when he's going towards the basket. And he was able to find some success. And now, like you said, teams are starting to look at the tape. And now it's on Jeremy Lamb to make the right read, to make the right decision. And we'll have Absolutely. to see if, if he can make that adjustment. How about Bismack Biombo? Let's talk about him from that Toronto <laughs> game. What a, I mean, look, I, we always joke on the show about uh, former Hornets or former Bobcats coming into Time Warner Cable Arena and just uh, getting a, a shot in the arm uh, and getting ready for a revenge game. But I think Bismack took it took it to a whole new level. I can't think of a a bigger revenge game off the top of my head than than what Biz put together. 18 rebounds. He was setting career highs left and right. 18 rebounds, seven blocks. I I was on triple-double alert there for a second. If that wasn't his career game, it, it was really close. I mean, that, <laughs> right. was, that, was, that was a great performance by Biz. Obviously, he came, he came in fired up. Um, I mean, he played great. He, he did what we know he, he's capable of doing. He can rebound the ball. He can he can give you blocks per game. So he definitely did what we know he can do. And I will say, Biz is always one of the one of the great guys that that played for you know the Bobcats slash Hornets, whoever it was. He people did get frustrated with him because of where he was drafted so high. But when you talk to that guy, he always worked hard. He was humble. So it's hard not to root it. It's not hard. It's hard not to root for a guy like that. So I was happy for him. One thing I, I will say watching that game is I'm pretty sure that if Biz would have been on the Hornets that night, he wouldn't have got away with as many calls as he got away with. Cause there were a few times where I thought he did commit some fouls over the back, stuff like that, that he didn't get away with. But if that's the way the ref was calling the game, he took advantage of it. So a very good performance by him. Um, I mean, man, like you said, seven blocks. I looked up one time and he had seven blocks and there was still uh, almost a quarter to go. So he really almost could have had more. It was unbelievable. So you, you got to be happy for a guy like that. When Somebody asked Coach after the game, how is it for guys coming back playing their old team? And Coach tried to downplay it a little bit, but he, he did say 
th- th- those guys come in with the extra bit of energy, and you got to be ready for them. And obviously, Bills was ready to go. And I'm sure fans were thinking, man, if he play- if we knew he was going to produce numbers like this, we probably would have hung on to him for about five million dollars a season. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, look, you know, eight- eighteen rebounds and seven blocks; those are. Uh, not anomaly, but they're certainly outside of of his normal right. averages. But eight points—that sounds about right. Here's what surprised me: four of six from the line. I was like, "What are they doing up north? Teaching this guy <laughs> to shoot free been throws?" A free throw shooter this season. I, I think he's having a career high in free throw shooting percentage. And so, like I said, I mean, maybe he he's working hard. Hell, he, he's still a young guy. I mean, everybody knows that. So. Yeah. I mean, maybe he's he's working. He's working on that shot. His form's never been that bad at the free throw line, but he never could just put it together consistently here. So I guess, I guess Toronto's going in the right direction. And I mean, granted, he is playing with a lot of good players on that Toronto team. But the good thing about Biz is, I think he he knows his role wherever he goes, and so at least he doesn't try to go outside of that role. Because if he does that, we know sometimes it can get a little ugly. No, and I, I think he looked a lot more confident out there that than I ever saw him in Charlotte. And I think that's a testament to what Toronto has done and basically and basically showing faith in him. And it's like you're not you're a starter. You you play a role on this team and, and that's you know, we're we're not just you're not a placeholder. You know, and I think once guys right. get that idea that I'm not I'm not just here because someone's injured or I'm not just here uh because you know, I'm a placeholder. I, I'm I'm a member of this team, and I serve a, a specific role. And so I, I'm, you know, we're huge fans of Biz, and certainly by the end of it, I was getting a little annoyed. Though I was like, "All right, Biz, okay, you've made Me your too. And I, and I, you made your points." You got to give some credit to the Hornets. You got to give some credit to the Hornets because even though he was having that game and he had that many blocks in that overtime and late in the game, uh, Kimba still knew that he could probably attack Biz on the pick and roll. And get what he wanted at the basket, and 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 that were those were a few a huge possessions late where they were able to attack him and get to the rim uh, by bringing him so far out to the three point line to start his defense. So that was a good job by the Hornets to adjust him because early on when he was getting those blocks, he was already down there at the rim waiting. So once they pulled him out for that pick and roll and were able to kind of get by him with Kimba's speed, that was a nice adjustment to get have him pulled out so they could get to the rim and get some buckets. So the Hornets get a bounce-back victory over the Toronto Raptors. And Marvin Williams, I thought, had a bounce-back performance. Over the past couple of games, I was starting to wonder if his his bottom was falling out. But I thought he bounced back, especially on the defensive end and, and in overtime. And I heard that uh, someone asked uh, Clifford, I believe it was on FNZ, maybe Kroger, uh, during that hour or during that segment he does with Clifford, asked him about why Marvin Williams was guarding DeMar DeRozan in overtime, and he said Marvin asked for it. I mean, how impressive is that for your your power forward, (laughs) undersized power forward, to ask to guard the number one scorer, on the opposing team that I mean to me that's just outstanding and he did it he shut DeMar down in overtime that that just shows who who Marvin Williams Marvin Williams is and you're exactly right uh coach talked about in that huddle that he was going to go back to PJ PJ was playing some good defense having a good game so he was going to go back on DeRozan because DeRozan was getting hot in that fourth quarter and then Marvin came over to him and said hey look this guy's starting to go off a little bit. Let me take him. And, and coach said, when a guy comes to you and asks you, let me guard this guy, you you got to say, yeah, you got to believe in your guy. You can't say, no, I'm, I'm going to go this way. If that guy comes to you and says, I got this, let me take this guy, you're going to give him that chance. And he did. And you're right. Marvin came in. 
shut DeRozan down for that last stretch, um, and it was it was a great performance. Marvin Williams, yeah, he had a, a bad last couple of games, but man, he 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 seriously might be the MVP of this team. I mean, obviously we know Nick is the best player, and what he's done has been remarkable, but. When guys talk about Marvin Williams in the locker room, they say he defines what this team is. A hard worker, um, a guy who wants to win, a guy who'll do anything for this team to win, and a guy who just goes out there, you know, doesn't talk big, does you don't hear him run his mouth, but he goes out there on the court and he does his job. And if everybody does their job like they're supposed to, like Marvin Williams, this team is going to be a successful team this season. And for the most part, except for those last couple of games, he has been the most consistent player on this team. Not just he's hitting the three ball better. His rebounding is unbelievable, especially on the offensive glass. I mean, it's unbelievable what he can do on that offensive glass, the position he puts himself in. And so to have a guy like that, especially after last year, when we were all kind of questioning, man, we weren't expecting this Marvin Williams. We thought we were going to get a better guy than this. He goes back this year. He works so hard in the off season, gets in the greatest shape. He's probably been in his entire career, as Cliff said, and the guy is just, like I said, he's a rock for this team. And it's good to know that you have a starter like that, that you never have to worry about pretty much night in, night out. He's going to be there and do that work for you. Yeah, listen, I, I know that Kemba and Lynn both stepped up big offensively in, and Kemba too defensively against Kyle Lowry in that overtime. But I think you know the, the Hornets were up one and then tied up in those two crucial possessions that Marvin uh, got one-on-one stops against mm-hmm. – let me repeat this, DeMar DeRozan in the mid-range. I mean, that's his house. That's DeMar's house. That's his, he has the deed to the property, and, and Marvin went in there and shut him down. And I think why, why that was secretly effective is because I think that DeMar probably thought, look, I got, I got a good matchup here. I, I can take Marvin one-on-one here. I don't need a pick. I'm good. I think had it been P.J. guarding him, they may have run something – you know, a little more complex, a, l- a little less ISO for Demar there, but Marvin Williams just did a fan, just great footwork, quickness, fantastic job against DeRozan. I really think those two possessions uh, allowed Kemba and Lynn to to then take that momentum because you have to understand the momentum was all in Toronto's favor going into that overtime. So I mean, the, the- all all the way in their all the way in their favor, and I think I think you're hitting it on the head if if people. If they don't watch enough Toronto Raptors basketball, because obviously people may not see a lot of their games, if they don't know, if you go look at shooting guards in this league and you start adding them up, DeMar DeRozan, as far as scoring goes, is one of the tops in the league. And so for our power forward to go out there and do what they did to him is pretty remarkable. And like you said, they they had all the momentum. Even going into overtime, I, I was a little concerned. Second night of a back-to-back, they were starting to really get going. Even though Lowry had a terrible night, he made a couple shots in that fourth quarter. And so you had to start wondering a little bit. But for Marvin to come out there and take that job on and for the team to respond after blowing that lead, like we've talked about this whole time. I mean, it's showing what this team is capable of and, and what kind of team they are. We have a, a preview coming up with uh, Jake Whitaker, who writes for Bullets Forever, the Washington Wizards blog on SBNation.com. Uh, Dustin, what do you see in this matchup against the Wizards? It's, it's at Washington. Obviously, in their last matchup, the Hornets go on the 25 to nothing run in the fourth quarter, hold this team to six points in the fourth quarter to get the victory. I, something tells me Washington and, and John Wall specifically prideful guys. Something tells me that won't happen again. What do you see in this matchup? I definitely don't think that's going to happen again. I mean, how crazy was that game? Everything, Insane. you know, 
kind of back and forth, and then the and then the Wizards kind of took control for a little bit, and then out of nowhere, I mean, just for an NBA team, especially as talented as the Wizards, to score six points in the fourth quarter, and really they got two of those free throws in the last minute. Um, and I believe, if I have my numbers right, it was like one of 17 in the fourth quarter for the Wizards. It was, it was unbelievable. I definitely don't think you're going to see that going into this game on Saturday night, but um, another division matchup. Another team, even though the Hornets have a better record than the Wizards right now, you have to think with the talent that the Wizards have, the experience that they have, they're going to get something turned around and, and be one of those teams in that playoff mix. So it would be nice to go into Washington. You had a day off yesterday. Go in here tonight, take care of business, get a nice road win against the division team, and kind of keep them down below you because, again, I, I, I'm, I'll have to see what you think, but you have to think the Wizards eventually are going to get something together where they make a little run to get back up in this middle playoff mix between, say, you know, four and seven, somewhere in that range. Because with Wall, I know Beal's out, but with the talent, Gortat, the talent that they have, they got to be a, be a team that's going to be in that mix come down the stretch. Yeah, I think that they have to get healthy, and that's where the danger comes with looking at that record and going ten and fourteen. This may be an off year for the Wizards, <laughs> but but they have a lot of injuries, and so. If this team, and it's a big if because they have a lot of injuries, but if this team can get healthy, stay healthy, they could be dangerous again. And you kind of hit on a point that we've been talking about over the past couple of shows. The Hornets have to be like squirrels here this winter and and collect as many acorns as they can, stuff them away, get those W's because January's coming and there are going to be a lot of road games and a lot of tough tests because, look, I mean, I'm looking at the Eastern Conference standings right now. The Hornets, five games over 500, okay? They're sixth mm-hmm. place. Now, the positive, Dustin, is that they've beaten the Bulls, Raptors, and Heat, all uh, three teams directly above them. They haven't played the Pacers yet, and they played uh, the number one team, the Cavaliers. They played them tough. Uh, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of talented teams that sit right below the Hornets, the Magic, Pistons, Hawks, Celtics, and of course the Wizards there in 12th place. So yeah, I mean, this is, you know, and they have the Boston Celtics again coming up on the 23rd. And I think that's another big Uh game. That's, that's been the, I, I think another interesting subplot of this season is that the Hornets have had seemingly a big game every other night. And they've stepped up to the challenge and it's starting to get to the point now where I think fans that watch this team over and over again go into a game believing this team can win, that they have the necessarily the necessary talent to win. Absolutely. And it's not just at home. I, I actually believe that this team, you know, normally when I watch this team and they go on the road, I, I kind of think to myself in the past couple of years, you know, let's just hope we can hang around in a game on the road, and then in the fourth quarter we can we can try to make something happen. Mm-hmm. But I, I I believe in this team, and they're talented enough that they can go on the road and get wins. They're four and six on the road this year, um, so not a terrible start. But I, they've had big road wins, and they won in Dallas. I mean, they've had some good road wins. So I actually fully expect them to go into Washington tonight and, and get a win. I'm looking for a win. I know John Wall is going to be upset. I know it's going to be a tough game. But um, Nick did travel with the team. Sounds like he's feeling better and he's probably going to play. So I'm looking for this team to go in and get a win. Um, and the thing is, like I said, they, they just need to stay consistent and play their type of ball. Coach, his biggest thing that he talks about every time we ask him about a team and what it takes to be successful is he thinks they should be a top 10 offensive team and a top 10 defensive team. And for the most part of the year, they've been a top 10 offensive team. And now they're, they're creeping into that top 10 in defense 
I believe they're in there right now. So if they can stay those two ranges, you're going to see consistent basketball that you're talking about. And you're, you're not going to have a stretch where maybe you lose five or six games in a row because you're so consistent that you're not going to let that streak happen. So I'm looking for a win tonight. And you talked about this Eastern conference. I mean, I'm looking at the standings. I don't know if we've ever seen a conference this jumbled up to have first place only be three games ahead of ninth place. I mean, that that's pretty unreal. So the Hornets do need to take advantage, beat the teams that they're supposed to beat. Not saying they're supposed to beat the Wizards, but like you said, with all of the injuries, they're capable of going into Washington and get a, getting a win tonight. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, again, the key is getting into that first quarter, you know, ready to go and then coming out of the half ready to go because the first and third quarters have been difficult for the Hornets to navigate in terms of energy and commitment. So we'll look for that. And again, coming up preview with Jake Whitaker from Bullets Forever, the Washington Wizards blog uh, for SBNation.com. Final question here for you, Dustin. The, the holidays are coming up, okay? And okay. that means that that some casual NBA fans might start to <laughs> creep in, watch a couple of Hornets games because they they plan to watch some national games around Christmas anyway. And, uh, you know, that they just want to peek in on the team and then go to sleep for a little while and then come back around playoff time. So for those casual fans that are that are stumbling onto the Hornets for the first time this season describe for them what they should be watching for three things three things that uh sum up the Hornets season to date um I would well number one I would definitely start with um the offense I mean if you haven't watched this team play you need to see this offense play it's it's not like in years past this is a top offense in the NBA that moves the ball when they are moving the ball at their best. It is one of the best things to watch. Um, and we've seen some of these passes that are happening. There was a great bounce pass by Kimba to Spencer who elevated for the jam the night. That was just unbelievable. So definitely watch for the offense. Not only can they move the ball, pretty much every single player on the team, except for a couple can shoot a three. Um, and they're hitting threes at an alarming rate this year. So that is the first thing to watch. The second thing I'd say, watch, um, is Nick Batum. I mean, I, I know people, we're wondering about the trade going into this season because we gave up a young guy who was developing and Noah Bonley. Um, and we know that, that Nick's contract expires after this year, but what he's came in and done for this team has been incredible. I mean, he's, you know, scoring, passing, playing defense, rebounding, he's doing it all. And, and it's fun to watch. And he's showing why he can be a number one option on the team in the NBA. And um, the Hornets, I know, definitely want to do everything they can to re-sign this guy when the year's up. So watch Nick, watch how he plays. He doesn't try to do too much. He plays in the game. He plays with his team and it's fun to watch. And the third thing I'd say to watch in general um, is, you know, just watch his team's chemistry. And that kind of ties in with the first two, but it's not just the players, it's the coach. I've always been a big fan of Coach Clifford. Glad he got that extension. But watch how he gets his team to play for him. Watch how these guys play for each other. And again, if you can't buy into a team who plays unselfishly, who plays together, who plays hard every night, does not quit until the last second, then then I really don't know what you watch sports for. That's the kind of team that you want to watch. And I know a lot of people right now are, are totally dialed in on the Carolina Panthers because obviously that's, I mean, unbelievable what's happening right now and deservedly so. But you need to watch this team. It's There's two professional sports teams in Charlotte who are very good this year, and I think we're in for something special for a good season. So if you're just now tuning in and watching, you've got a lot to watch, a lot to catch up on. And it's actually fun to watch Hornets basketball. Even in some of those playoff years in the years past, it was fun, but it was grinded out games. 
you know, not sure how we were going to find a way to win this, this year, this, the team has the talent, they have the chemistry, the skill um, to really do what they want to do as long as they can put it all together. So um, if you're just now getting on board, you definitely need to get to the arena, whether TV, get to the arena, whatever, watch his team and, and you'll see what we're talking about. I love that you pick chemistry even early on in this season and even with the 46% turnover, almost half the team turned over, and yet the chemistry, you're right, has gelled so quickly. And I think that that's really a testament to the, the kind of guy that they decided to bring in this year, guys that that needed a second chance, that statistically you look at their numbers and you go, I don't know, but... Mm-hmm. They were guys that studied the game and they played hard. They and and they had hardships, whether it was situational with Jeremy Lin or injury with Nick Batum, or uh, you know, and the documented struggles of Tyler Hansborough and his situations in Toronto and Indiana. They took chances on guys that, again, just great personalities, good locker room guys, and guys that play hard and play smart. And so, yeah, and all of that has come together in, the, in in an equation that equals a fun basketball team to watch. And Dustin, this was a very fun conversation. I appreciate it and, and great stuff from you. Where can uh, where can folks follow you on Twitter? Uh, it's just at Dustin Pfeiffer. My name is Dustin, D-U-S-T-I-N, and Pfeiffer, P-H-I-F-E-R, all one word. And uh, you can follow me there and we can talk some more Hornets. I love the conversation. Yeah, we're going to talk again for sure. Thank you so much for joining us. Thanks a lot, man. The Wizards started this season 3-1. and one. They beat the San Antonio Spurs on a Bradley Beal buzzer beater. That's pretty fun to say, Bradley Beal buzzer beater. Uh, everything has been puppies and rainbows since then, right? You guys, oh, everything's been great, right? Yeah. Yeah, just uh, Bradley Beal has maintained perfect health since then. <laughs> uh, the guys just keep firing threes. Everyone's been healthy, and uh, the Wizards are, you know, I think NBA final favorite, final favorite. Awesome. What actually happened? What's actually been going um, on in these past six weeks? Um, well, everyone got injured. Uh, it started with Bradley Beal. He uh, hurt his shoulder, which is a shame because he really came out of the gates hot. And then uh, Nay went down and just their whole front court's been ravaged, which has forced them to go with some funky lineups using Jared Dudley at center or even Otto Porter. So it's, you know, they've had to kind of compensate by playing like hyper small ball and they really just don't have the roster for it. And it's, it's just not been pretty. I mean, John Wall has kind of picked it up after he was kind of hampered by some issues earlier in the season, but now he's starting to click, but you know, everyone else just isn't quite there yet. It reminds me, do you watch Friday night lights, Jake? Or did um, you watch Friday Night I, Lights? I've seen bits and pieces of it. I've never been able to watch the whole thing through. But yeah. Well, in season four, I don't want to spoil it for those who still no. haven't seen it on Netflix, although I feel like it's been off the air for enough time where I could spoil it. But I'll just say the the, the fourth season, uh, the, the head coach has to field like 11 or 12 players. I mean, it's ridiculous. And they get, you know, everybody's playing two-way offense and defense. And the first game of the season, they're absolutely getting hammered. And 
everyone's getting injured and they cut to the locker room at halftime and it looked like a, a scene out of the uh, like a civil war documentary and that kind of reminds me of what's going on like everyone's just battle wounded in Washington right now and and just trying to you know field an NBA level team i mean for fans i mean you interact with fans on on bullets forever how do fans sort of reconcile that that there's all of these injuries, yet you still want to see the team win. You still expect an NBA team that, that went to the second round of the NBA playoffs for two straight years. You still expect them to win. How are fans reconciling that? Oh, well, I, th- I think there's just a lot of, I guess, anger for one that the Wizards got so many veterans and you know, veterans naturally get injured more often. And so once they went down, they really didn't have anyone left because the only ones you can replace the players that went down with are other injured players. So I think there's some kind of tension that the Wizards maybe didn't go with some younger options um, to maybe supplant the depth. And I think other than that, they're just trying to kind of enjoy the the novelty of some of the things the Wizards have had to go through for what it is, but mm-hmm. it's uh it's been tough sledding lately. Well, you hear things out of Coach Randy Whitman like these guys aren't playing with the right energy and commitment, and they have to bring that night after night. And I suppose, you know, what is a coach supposed to say? He's not going to let them off the hook necessarily, but when a, a team like the Wizards have sustained so many injuries, can you? Can you really expect them to bring that 110% energy night after night? That's that's the question I ask myself, and I ask it, Jake, from the perspective of a Hornets uh, a fan and, and someone who covered the team last season when they went through similar things where you, you really couldn't get the starting five on the court at the same time at any point during the season. It's frustrating, and, and it must be difficult for them to bring that kind of energy night after night. Yeah, well, especially right now because you've got John Wall, who's really the only guy on the roster that's healthy that can really create a shot for himself. Mm. And so how much of that, you know, do you want to give up? Even though he's been great on the defensive end, you can't have him, you know, going all out on both sides with no other help. So you kind of have to pick your battles. And, I mean, really, the you know, you say pick your battles, but you can't really win either way. <laughs> so it's just you got to manage it the best you can. Do you think that the injuries have been the number one reason for the slow start so far? Or is was there something brewing even before the season started that, that may have signaled that things weren't going to go as planned? Yeah, well, I, I think... The, the real issue was that last summer, back in 2014, they committed to basically a two-year core with the guys they had to kind of see what they could do before you know the summer of 2016 when everything opens up with free agency and everything else. And you know, of course, last year, you know, the whole small ball revolution kind of took the NBA by storm and the Wizards kind of used up all their flexibility with the roster they already had. So they're almost trying to retrofit the team they have to be a modern team. And they just don't have the pieces, even though 
they were able to get a guy like Jared Dudley to help out and, you know, get some outside shooting from Chris Humphreys that's still not a true modern power forward. And, you know, they're struggling to adjust without that. So I think that's really the heart of the issue, but the injuries certainly haven't helped. I feel like it's kind of like, so I bought a Wii, a Nintendo Wii, uh, when it first came out, because and, and, I felt like that was the, the, the next evolution of gaming. And then and then all of a sudden it became all about graphics and, and HD graphics, and that's what people wanted to see. And I kind of felt like I picked the wrong revolution. And, and, right. or, or, or I was a little, I had to catch up all of a sudden. And I feel like that's where the Wizards are, is like they the the small ball thing happened and they went they're a little late to the game and now they're trying to to figure some things out similar to Nintendo they just got to figure some things out because they're getting they're almost like a half step behind of, of Xbox and PlayStation yeah no I, I think that's exactly it they're they're trying to adapt on the fly to catch up they're not trying to even maybe try to start a new revolution with what they have. They're just trying to catch up to the old one. And, you know, you can't just keep, you know, following behind every revolution because you're going to keep getting left behind. And so, you know, I'm not sure how they're going to attack 2016 now, depending on, you know, what's out there. But I think they kind of need to, figure out the right approach to utilize someone like John Wall who can do so many unique things on the court. How are you going to get the best out of them without completely draining him on both ends? What one word would you use to describe John Wall's performance so far this season? Mm, that's a good one. Um, I would say improving only in in the, in the sense that it started very badly in November and then now in December, he's starting to pick it up. He's kind of, you know, one of those guys, if he's not fully healthy, he, it, he loses speed and that's his greatest asset. So once you lose that, he's not really a guy that can, you know, just shoot his way to keep you in the game. So, can the Wizards can, no, can the Wizards as they're currently constructed and with the injuries can they win a game if John Wall's not shooting efficiently? Only if someone else is having just a dumb hot night. Mm. Uh, you know, Gary Neal has been able to do that from time to time, and you know, Otto Porter did have a couple of good games, and Dudley's been reasonably well uh, behind the arc this year. But unless they're getting a lot of good open looks, no. After the loss to the Grizzlies on Tuesday, Coach Randy Whitman said, anytime John Wall takes 11 shots and seven of them are threes, that's not who he is. Do you agree with that statement from Coach? And do you think that Wall sometimes chooses to become a three-point threat? Or do you think that teams uh, are figuring out or, or scheming against him, I guess, to say that they're forcing him to take three-point shots? Which do you think is is going on there most of the time? I think most of the time it's the defense, um, especially when Wall doesn't have a good pick and roll game going with Gortat, or if he's out, then whoever's replacing him, it really makes it hard to 
get a lane into the paint and, you know, then he has to take those 30 footers or whatever he has to do to just get some sort of a shot up. I think there are times where he can get a little maybe happy with his jump shot because he, he did have a good shooting night against Dallas the night before. And I think that maybe made it easier for him to um, fall in love with those shots against Memphis. But, you know, Memphis is still also one of the best at packing the paint and making sure you don't get easy shots inside. So I'd say it's mostly the defense, but Wall can get tempted. In the last nine games, the Wizards have given up 100-plus, and in the last three, 110-plus. What's going on with the defense lately? Because The Wizards, over the past two, three years, well, since John Wall's been there, seem to be identified as as a defensively strong team. What's going on? Where are the, the weaknesses? Is it all injuries? Uh, I think it's partly injuries. I think partly, too, they're just still learning as a defense how to adapt to playing teams that are playing with four guys on the perimeter. Back in the day when you could have Gortat and Nene, you had so much interior protection that it could, you know, you would have enough then with the rest of the perimeter that they could afford to be a little more risky on shooters, but now they don't have that. And on top of that, with so many guys injured, now you have a bunch of guys trying to defend, you know, above their weight and height in shooting. So when they try to force a guy off the perimeter, they just shoot over top of them and it's really not a contest. So guys are getting just a bunch of open three point looks. I believe last I saw the wizards are allowing opponents to shoot uh, about six and a half percent better than average on three point shots. And that's about 3% better than even the second worst team at that. So teams are just firing away from, three-point land, which is not a great sign when you're playing the Charlotte Hornets. So <laughs> not um, That's like the one thing you don't want to give up against the Hornets, for sure. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's one of those things, the Wizards are very bad at contest. Um, when they're close to a guy, they just, they're great at shooting over them anyway. So even when they're leaving them wide open, it just gives them even more confidence. So for all the Wizards did to try to create more offensive three-point opportunities, they're giving up even more defensive three-point opportunities. Two excellent interviews with two cats who really know their NBA basketball. And uh, Hornets and Wizards, they tip off at 7 o'clock p.m. in Washington. This game's also on NBA TV uh, but I don't know if you're not local, obviously pop on over to NBA TV or, or League Pass. But if you are local, then stick with Fox Sports Southeast because the NBA TV feed normally goes with the uh, home announcers. So that would be the Wizards in this case. So if you're local, uh, keep it on uh, Fox Sports Southeast for that Washington Wizards Hornets game. That was a, a great breakdown. I think it's going to be a good game. I think that you can't underestimate the Wizards because, even with the injuries, because they have John Wall. And John Wall is a, uh, on that star level, and, and he can put together a good game, and, and guys can rally around a, a really strong performance. So you have to keep him out of the paint. The Hornets do a great job of keeping teams out of the paint with 
Uh, and we talk a lot about that in part two with uh, Austin, Austin Peters. So you want to check that out as well. Uh, but they do a good job of keeping teams out of the paint. But, you know, the, with the Wizards, it's not only about keeping them out of the paint, it's keeping them out of transition. A lot of their points in the paint are scored off of turnovers, off of transition opportunities. So the Hornets, they have to be disciplined. It should be a good game. Can't wait for that. Hey, listen, this isn't over. Check out part two. Austin Peters and I talk about trade possibilities for the Charlotte Hornets. If you're one of these people that loves to get on ESPN Trade Machine, you'll want to listen to that part two. Pop on over to that. Make sure to subscribe to us on iTunes and Stitcher to get these episodes downloaded directly to your phone, your mobile device, your iPad, uh, your Apple TV, everything. Hive Talk Live is everywhere. Uh, Thanks for listening. We really appreciate it. We're on the front page of blogtalkradio.com, our uh, gracious provider, the people that uh, help us go live and get these episodes distributed to iTunes. We're on their front page under their NBA news column. Thank you to Blog Talk Radio, and thank you, most importantly, to all you out there listening, because uh, your numbers, the number of you who comment and and tweet us and listen to us week after week after week has made that happen. And, and let me just say this, it's not over. This thing is getting bigger. This thing, uh, uh, there are more possibilities uh, to come and more success for this show to come. And that only means that you guys get better coverage. And we don't forget that. And we this is about providing Hornets talk for the hardcore fans. So pop on over to part two When I talk to Austin about trades, it's a really good, it's another 45 minutes of Hornets content here on the weekend. Enjoy the Wizards game tonight. We'll be tweeting from Hive Talk, from at Hive Talk Live on Twitter and Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Hive Talk Live. Until then, let's swarm Charlotte. It's Ace's biggest LED light bulb sale of the year. Right now, buy one, get one free on our best-selling LED light bulbs. Our four-pack of LED bulbs is $9.99, and our two-pack of LED floodlights is only $12.99. Buy one, get one free. There's no limit on how much you can save, so stock up now. Hurry in. Buy one, get one free on long-lasting 10-year LED bulbs, now through Monday, only at your neighborhood Ace. See participating stores for details.